You, my friend, were made to count. God has placed in your heart a drive, a desire to make a difference, to have an impact for this world to be changed because you walked on it for a little while. And so that brings us today to a very important topic. I want to talk to you for about ambition. Is ambition a good thing or a bad thing? And it's fascinating. When you read about it, you can find people that will argue both sides of that idea. There is a poet, Jeannie Walker, graduated from my old alma mater, and she talks about how it was the ambition of her mother that her children should have ambitions. And she's a poet. She says, my ambition is to write poetry that defeats time. Scott Cairns write, we are either called to greatness or we are not called at all. But then there will be other people who just warn about ambition. Eugene Peterson talked about how he went into the pastorate, but he became a busy person. And he says, busyness is just simply a bastard form of ambition. Ambition, another writer says, takes us to very, very bad places. So I wanted to read for you a few words today from uh, James K.A. Smith, who wrote a book, On the Road with St. Augustine where he considers Augustine's wisdom around a variety of topics, including ambition. Here's what James writes. Ambition is a many-splendored, much-maligned thing. Your take depends on what demons you are trying to exorcise. If you're surrounded by power-hungry egomaniacs bent on making a name for themselves through Babelian endeavors, the Tower of Babel, ambition looks ugly, monstrous, and domineering. But if you're surrounded by placid, passive, go-of-the-flow, aw-shucks folk who are leaving unused gifts on the table and failing to respond to their calling, then ambition looks like faithfulness. Sometimes ambition is ugly. Sometimes the critique of ambition is uglier, as when powerful white men worry that others, brown women say, are getting uppity. So what is ambition? Well, sometimes it's helpful to consider what ambition is not. He goes on, if you keep walking around the phenomenon of ambition, you'll notice a couple of features. First, the opposite of ambition is not humility. It is sloth, passivity, timidity, and complacency. We sometimes like to comfort ourselves by imagining that the ambitious are prideful and arrogant. Uh, and I have noticed that very often when I judge somebody, underneath my judgment is a sense of envy as I compare myself to them and feel like I come up short. We comfort ourselves by imagining the ambitious, prideful, arrogant, so that those of us who never risk, never aspire, never launch out into the deep, get toward the moralizing mantle of humility. But this imagining is often just a thin cover for a lack of courage, even laziness. Playing it safe isn't humble. Second, it is the telos, that is the aim or the goal or the end of ambition that distinguishes good from bad, separating faithful aspiration from self-serving aggrandizement. Augustine never stopped being ambitious. What changed was the target, the goal, the how of his striving. What do I love when I long for achievement? That is the great question when it comes to ambition. I find it quite fascinating that 
Although the topic of burnout has been around for quite a long while, it keeps recurring and recurring. There is a journalist, Anne Helen Peterson, who is herself a millennial. Millennials were born, uh, if this is you, between 1981 and 1996 or so, you're part of the millennial generation. And she wrote an article on BuzzFeed a year or two ago called How the Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. And it struck such a deep chord that it went viral and ended up being viewed 7 million times. So many people who are a part of that generation have this sense. I feel exhausted. I feel overwhelmed. I find it hard to keep scratching somewhere for the motivation to go on. I feel cynical about things. I feel overwhelmed. I'm not sure that I'm adequate. I feel disappointed. Uh, it, it was, uh, it struck such a deep chord. Seven million people viewed it. She went on to write a book, um, not even how the millennials became the burnout generation that has sold a ton. Something inside our souls knows that we were made to count and yet struggles with finding the energy or the fuel for it. And Anne writes these words, deep down millennials know the primary exacerbator of burnout isn't really email or Instagram or the constant string of news alerts. It is the continuous failure to reach the impossible expectations we've set for ourselves. The human spirit cannot abide a chronic sense of failure falling short less than I am not. It is the continuous failure to reach the impossible expectations we've set for ourselves. And I believe that's deeply true, although I would modify it just a little bit. It's not just that the expectations are impossible. It's that I set them in the wrong categories. The human drive for ambition, untethered from God, becomes a constant quest to win, to dominate. I compare myself with other people. It becomes a form of idolatry. Often we think about idols in the ancient world as these physical objects, and that people's belief in them was obviously illusory, so that idolatry is primarily uh, a mistaken belief, but it's really wrapping my heart up in that which cannot satisfy. And ambition will easily do this. Ambition, I have come to believe, is actually an expression of spirit. You might remember Dallas Willard's definition of spirit is it's a form of power, of energy. It is uh, unbodily, that is, it's not physical, it's not like electricity or magnetism. Unbodily, personal, um, it flows out of a person, power or energy. And so we were made to have a drive to want to contribute because we're made in God's image to want to make a difference. Ambition is a good thing. I remember Nancy, when we started dating and then got married, said one of the things that she was looking for in a spouse and another person is ambition. And I was never quite sure how to take that because I know that ambition for me gets so easily tainted with ego and vanity and the desire to do better than other people and compare myself with other people. But underneath that, I'm not all bad. Underneath that, that sense of drive or ambition is a good thing. The question is, to what do I attach it? And... Uh, here's where uh, what Smith writes is so helpful to me. The question is not whether we aim our lives. 
Our existence is like an arrow on a taut string. It will be sent somewhere. And just to say I'd like to have the string on my arrow be slack is not going to solve it. Because we were made to do something to make a difference. It's not a matter of quelling ambition, of settling, as if we're somehow more virtuous or even possible. The alternative to disordered ambition that ultimately disappoints, that's what Ann Peterson is writing about, uh, underneath all of the other aspects of burnout is this failure to live up to impossible expectations because I'm wanting a good that mere achieving comparison, domination, impression can never give me. The alternative is not some holy lethargy or pious passivity. It is recalibrated ambition that aspires for a different end. What is the arc of a life whose aspiration is to be a friend of God? That's worth our holy ambition. All other ambitions are fragile, fraught. The attention of others is fickle. Domination of others is always temporary. You can't win forever. Just ask Rocky. Attainment is a goddess who quickly turns a cold shoulder. To aspire to friendship with God, however, is an ambition for something that you can never lose. So that's the word with ambition. Cultivate it. Love it. Breathe life into it. Accept it. Rejoice in it. But then aim it rightly at becoming a friend of God and doing my life and seeking to achieve, not as a way of demonstrating my worth as a human being or, God forbid, my superiority over others, but as an expression of my friendship with God as we do this together. One word about that as you do it, it will be the struggle of a lifetime. Pascal writes this, Vanity is so anchored in the human heart that a soldier, a cadet, a cook, uh, a kitchen porter boasts and wants to have admirers. Even philosophers want them. And those who write against them want the prestige of having written well. And those who read them want the prestige of having read them. And writing this, perhaps I have this desire, Pascal writes. Thank God, speaking these words to you, I don't have that desire. That's a lie. It lies in me. Our ambitions, as long as we live, will be mixed stuff. And asking God, would you take the ego out of it? Would you take the self-will out of it? Would you redeem it? Would you purify it? Would you sanctify it? That's the journey of a lifetime. And uh, the trick is to redirect our ambition towards that end. Because the main thing God gets out of your life is the person you become. That's the true joy of life. The being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. So today, uh, be aware of the ambition inside you. Offer it to God. Whatever you have to do from one moment to the next, um, don't try to force or strain on the emotional level to produce motivation. Just simply share it with God. God, would you show me how to do this task, how to make this call, how to say these words, how to be with this friend, how to do this work, as an expression of my friendship with you, doing it together so that I can make a difference in this little world, in this tiny, brief little life that is given to me. Make it count. Love you. Thanks for joining us here at Become New Domini. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. 
Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444. 